We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Monday, February the 27th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1932, the neutron was discovered. English physicist James Chadwick was later awarded the Nobel Prize for his discovery. Today in 1933, Germany's parliament building is set on fire. The Nazis used the Reichstag fire to justify harsh uh, repression against the political opponents. The evidence is considered pivotal in the establishment of the Nazi Germany government. Today in 1943, nonviolent protests in Berlin prevented the deportation of 2,000 Jews. The Rosentross protest was carried out by the wives and relatives of detained Jewish men. Today in 2002, a Muslim mob set fire to a train carrying Hindu pilgrims. The attack killed 59 people, including many women and children. Today in 2010, a massive earthquake struck Chile. You may remember that. I do. The tremor measured 8.8 on the Richter scale, left more than 500 people dead. Thousands, untold thousands, were injured. And also today... Today in 1807, a guy that I have read a lot from and learned from was born, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He was born in 1807. He's an American poet. I like him personally because he supported Abraham Lincoln publicly when it wasn't so popular to do so among some of his colleagues. He was a a greatly published uh, poet of the time. Listen, my children, and you shall hear the midnight ride of Paul Revere and so on. He was a real patriot, and um, he was committed to Christ. He was a committed Christian. So for all those reasons, I like him regardless of what he did, but he wrote a number of poems that have meant a lot to me. I like poetry to a degree, and uh, I've enjoyed his poets poems over the years, and I like him as a poet very much. So, happy birthday, Henry. Interesting, interesting look, take back, look back of the, um, of what was happening and what is happening in Asbury. I've mentioned it a number of times on this program. We, uh, in a recent blog post on our website, evangelist and uh, author Ann Graham Lotz, Franklin's sister, Billy Graham's and Ruth Graham's daughter, she has been uh, talking about the Asbury Revival, which it's now called, but there's a lot of, a lot more universities and colleges in, involved in this now. And uh, she, she's been talking about it, and she said, the other day she said, I think this is the last great awakening before the second coming of Christ. And that got some attention, and a number of uh, Christian websites were reporting on that, news websites. The New York Times, though, they picked up on that as well, and they said, after quoting her, 
uh, and Graham Lotz. They said, well, this this whole thing about Asbury and all these other Christian colleges, they said, we're calling it the Woodstock for Christians. I don't know if that was intended to be a little bit of a jab or what, but nonetheless, that was how they saw it. And I would suggest that it was probably a little of both, both a jab and absolute ignorance on the part of the New York Times. Other outpourings have been reported at Cedarville University in Ohio, University of Cumberland in Kentucky, Stanford University in Alabama, Stanford, S-A-M-F, Lee University, Tennessee, Baylor University in Texas, Texas A&M University. This kind of thing, this outpouring, these kids just coming and confessing their sins and worshiping and singing worship choruses and 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 all and kind of forgiving one another if they've had issues with one another and all kinds of you know profound things are happening and the media of course has moved on which probably is a good thing because they can spoil almost anything if given the opportunity but nonetheless this is still going in fact some of the kids from some of the christian universities have organized and they've traveled to secular colleges like ohio state university and Michigan State University to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's where true revival always leads us to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, because that is the great commission that Jesus left all of us who follow him and believe in him and love him and accept him as our Lord and Savior. That's that's what he told us to do. He didn't tell us to become great theologians, although there's certainly a place for that, and we need great theologians. He told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and baptize them. That's what he told us to do. And these kids are just instinctively, or, or they they know that that's the that's the commandment. But they're just going out as a result of these revivals. So it's very encouraging to me to see this happening. And I'm kind of glad the media has gotten tired of it and they've moved on to something else. Because as I said, they can ruin, you know, they can ruin ruin the finest finest thing that could be happening. But in her post, in her post, Lot says that uh, on Twitter, she says that her nephew, this Dr. John Paul Lotz, he is uh, he re- recently visited Asbury. It was just kind of a, an impromptu gathering at the time uh, when he went there. But then he was back again, apparently, and just a day or so before they moved it off campus, this last, I think it would have been last week, when they did that to a larger place, and it's continuing, it just isn't in the chapel on campus, but it's it's in town at a at a larger place, and it's continuing as it was. But this uh, John Paul Lotz is an associate professor at Regent University School of Divinity in Virginia, and so his his college actually had asked him to go to this university and observe the revival firsthand, and they wanted to get his input on it. So. Uh, and Graham Lotz is saying that John Paul, her nephew, uh, texted her, and she said, he texted me with this description, and this is a quote from what Dr. John Paul Lotz saw and felt when he visited what was going on at Asbury. He said, there was no leader, no rival, no envy, no pride, all humility, meekness, gentle hearts, stumbling sinners, tender students serving thousands of curious visitors, in their love for mercy without knowing they were doing so. He said, it's legit. And Anne 
Graham Lott said she agrees. This whole thing is legit. It's not a bunch of kids caught up in like, man, this is really fun and we're getting a lot of attention. It's not that kind of thing. It's real. And it's happening in our world as we speak. I want to talk to you today a little bit about something that is, I think, profoundly important to the day and the times in which we live. It's also extremely complicated. And I'm not a complicated guy. I don't like things that are complicated. I tend to kind of move away from them when they get uh, complicated, whether it's a business matter or whatever. It, It just, I don't know. I just don't like things to get complicated to beyond a certain point. This is complicated, but I want to talk to you a little bit today about artificial intelligence, AI. It's on the rise in the United States. It concerned me when I first became aware that it was showing up on on college and university campuses. One of the one of the people that told me about it was our oldest granddaughter, and she's a a professor at a and I'm not going to name the school, but it's one of the large largest universities here in the north in the northwest. It's a state university. And she's a com- deeply committed Christian. I, I don't know, you know, she, how she balances that between what happens in education and how, what she believes in her lifestyle, but nonetheless, she does. And she was telling me that um, people in her class have started turning in work now, and she's had to give herself some self, a little bit of self-learning um, beyond her degrees, but uh, on on AI, on artificial intelligence, because they're using artificial intelligence to write like term papers. And so anyway, she was telling me that she has figured out ways and there's consistencies with the AI, that artificial intelligence that can be created with all the factors of of consideration, just like a student would do. And she and I talked about it at some length. And since that time, I've become more and more aware of it as it's becoming more and more a part of our of our culture. It, it, would, it wouldn't be possible probably without the Internet, but with the Internet, we are now able to create, and there's some of the people that are, that are involved in this are trying to create something that is almost superhuman intellectually, and they're using it to advance their own ag- agendas, certainly politicians are doing so, particularly the far-left politicians. So let me talk to you a little bit today about this. Man, it's a it's a big subject. I don't claim to know all there is to know about it or anything else for that matter, except I know that God loves me, and he, he, he died for my sins, and I've accepted him as my Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that for absolute sure, and I, I know you do too, or most of you do, and if you don't, you can by merely accepting him. But this issue is very complicated. But let me let me just tell you a little bit about it, because I've spent some time on it. But it is on the rise in the U.S. and around the world. Christians, I think, should be aware of it. They, we should be informed, because the use of it is being discussed within the Christian church now as a possible tool for extending the Lord's work, even, even for writing sermons for pastor. And that's what got my attention. That's when I started to really drill into this. When I begin to see that it was being discussed by evangelicals about the benefits of AI for sermon writing, 
and other ministry within the church and within the community. This, the advocates are saying, would give pastors more time to do other things. I want to tell you right up front where we're going with this. I'm not on board with it. I'm not trying to dig in my heels because I don't like new things. And yes, I'm over 40. And I remember before there was an Internet and all of that kind of thing. And I remember when radio was sin. Not really. I'm kidding. I do remember when television was kind of sin, though. And other things like that. If you've grown up in a Christian, in evangelical Christian home or family. I'm not just digging in because this is new. I think I see a glimpse, at least, of how potently evil this can become. So let's go through what a little bit about what it's about and what's happening. The computer terms, this is what is artificial intelligence. Well, in computer terms, it's the programming and it's the development of machines and systems capable of using and interpreting information in a manner similar to the activities of a human. So it's kind of a shadow of a human experience. AI technologies, artificial intelligence, are able to understand, analyze, and learn from data through specially designed algorithms, which are complex mathematical formulas and operations. Types of artificial intelligence include deep learning, a branch of machine learning that employs sophisticated artificial neural networks that's inspired by human nervous system to learn that from data that doesn't need to be structured. Unlike a machine learning, this is different. There's two aspects to it. And natural language processing, that they call that NLP, a, a linguistic tool that enables machines to read and interpret human language. This isn't something that's coming and we think we might see. It, it's here and it's being used fairly widely. AI capabilities are already being exploited and used in a number of variety, a variety of places, such as the ability to sift through vast amounts of data, make logical connections between like past actions and different criteria so you can ask for it. And part of this has come with the Internet. Google, if you want to find out some information, I do a, a lot of research for this program. I Google something and check it out. And it's getting more and more difficult to find objective information. I mean, it's almost impossible, to be honest with you, with Google and all the other uh, avenues that we have available to us now. So anyway, the capabilities are being exploited. Some of the other examples of artificial intelligence are already in play. Personalization of news feeds and automatic recognition of similar features of in images on social media. They face recognition. All of this stuff, it's all woven into one end product. And that is artificial intelligence that is the same as or greater than, and some believe that it will be, greater than human capabilities. So now that society has essentially replaced God in the marketplace, now they're trying to replace humans because we're flawed and we make mistakes with these super humanoid kind of things that don't make mistakes, and they're programmed, and they will give you all the right answers, and they, they, they have programmed into them all of the, the aspects of, of the nuances of racism and, and all of this. So that's what this is. I mean, that's the way I see this, is I see it as, as the enemy, not the friend, although there are some benefits from it, and that's what makes it so dangerous. 
there's benefits to having a mark on your forehead or your the back of your hand too because then you won't lose your credit card and i'm not for that either so anyway that that's kind of in a nutshell what this is all about but it's already impacting our world um an article i wrote an article today on our website about this faithandfreedom.us and i i sourced a number of things that i'm talking about today and you can look much look at a lot more information than I have time to get to today on this program at faithandfreedom.us, our, our website. But one of the I, I one of the sources I named a, a number of them here that you could you could look into more deeply. But one of them was leveraging technology to make an impact. We learn AI tools have the power to reshape the world on every level. And realizing their full potential requires mobilizing a broad range of disciplines, determining how technology can best serve, support, and care for society in a hyperconnected world requires global insight. So there is a global aspect to all of this. And they're not looking at, you know, nations and sovereign nations and borders and all that. They're looking at pushing this AI to a position that is not national, but it's global and so that's a part of the insight and the 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 plan the purpose of this whole movement with students from all five schools tackling projects ranging from researching machine learning algorithms that allow autonomous drones to think to employing predictive analytics that optimize robot maintenance MIT Massachusetts Institute of Technology is able to explore new approaches for ethical AI urgency. AI does indeed possess the power to reshape the world, they say. Not only does it tell you what to think, but it tells you how to think. And that's the problem. The Bible is very clear that we are not be, to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Paul said that to the Romans, who were pretty sophisticated in their day. And he said, don't be conformed to this world. There are all kinds of ploys to get you to conform to this world, either through just simply say, well, you know, we, if we fit in, we can influence people for Christ and all that. that that's, that's very misleading. I don't think that's biblical. I mean, yes, there is an element of lifestyle evangelism, and we live out Christ in front of people, and they want to know, you know, man, what makes you so happy or, or so on. I mean, I, I understand all that. But the whole idea of lifestyle evangelism was really was used as an excuse by too many people. And I, I saw that come and go. I knew the people that wrote the book, and he, he was a good friend of mine, as a matter of fact. But, man, I'll tell you, I, I've seen that so misused, and, and people have been so misled. And, I mean, younger people in particular, they have become more like the world, and been they've been more influenced by the world in so-called lifestyle evangelism than the world has ever been changed by them. In other words, it gets to the point where the person who does not know Christ, the non-Christian, can't tell the difference between the culture and the church. And it's all done in the name of trying to identify with and connect with and so on. Well, that thread runs through this whole AI movement as well. Kyle Becker, uh, Kyle Becker wrote some notes. He writes a blog I don't know if you've heard of him before, but he's pretty right on most of the time. But he wrote a he wrote a blog about this. He said I, AI does indeed possess the power to reshape the world. He said it conforms people to the system of worldview. 
He said a Biden executive order paves the way for a woke, artificial intelligence, godlike, totalitarian power. Well, what he's talking about is something I talked about on this program. I think it was one day last week, like Thursday or Friday. And I was talking about this new uh, executive uh, order that the President Biden has put out there. And it's called it, it's it has a very disturbing clause in it that would ensure that artificial intelligence algorithms are as woke as the now infamously based this AI bot called Chat GPT. You probably heard have heard that of that. That's been in the news some. But buried within the social justice verbiage and the progressive jargon of Biden and his executive order on diversity and equity is just a glimpse into this of the totalitarian future that elites have in mind for the world and for you and me, as long as we're here. It's called the Executive Order on Further Advancing Racial Equity and Support for Underserved Communities Through the Federal Government. Remember I talked about that and I said I said in regards to that, maybe it was on a commentary on ACN, I'm not sure, but I do remember talking about it. And I, I was saying at the time, this had just been about a week ago, that this this there's so many words in this that it's just overwhelming and and the average person is just going to look at it and go well oh, man I don't I don't care what that is I mean all these words and and parsing of words and so on but it appears that what the presidential action would really advance is more government control and policing over free speech in this and again I don't have time to go into it cuz we did go into it already but this executive order contains one disturbing clause, and I saw that here, and I didn't think as much about it at the time as I do now, since I've spent some time looking into this AI, this whole movement. And it appears that the president is really, I mean, the writers, the people that write and tell him what to say, really have some, some agenda involved in this. When designing and developing and acquiring and using artificial intelligence, automated systems of the federal government, agencies do so consistent with applicable law in a manner that advances equity. This is how he described his um, call for the implementation of this executive order. It would entail diversity, equity, and inclusion. DEI is the way it's referred to most often. It's a board that would supervise the rollout of AI bots across the country in order to recruit them into this woke army, this movement of his, featuring transgenderism, gays, lesbians, all of, I mean, the things that our president is obsessed with. It would push those kinds of things, and he has laid the groundwork for it in this unbelievably long executive order. And he's using this whole concept of AI to drive this thing. BBC put out an article the other day, it was uh, titled, God and Robots, Will AI Transform Religion? The BBC says artificial intelligence is now changing. It's changing how we interact with everyone from food to healthcare, travel, and also religion. Experts say major global faiths are discussing their relationship with AI, and some are starting to incorporate this technology into their worship. Robot priests can recite prayers, deliver sermons, and even comfort those experiencing a spiritual crisis. They're asking, can it can IT truly transform how people experience faith? They think it probably can, BBC. And they're kind of advocating in their news article. CNBC 
has weighed in on the matter. Technology and artificial intelligence, AI, are fashioning how people interact with everything from food to health care and so to religion. NBC's Business Channel concluded they are not sure of the outcome of bots, robots, leading religious services, but noted how helpful it could be for Muslims in the practice of their faith. So what about evangelicals and conservative Christians? LifeWay is an evangelical-based organization. It begins its article with this on this subject. It begins with this. Artificial intelligence and and conversational agents like CHAP-GPT have been transforming various industries and professions, including the religious sector. For pastors and churches, AI technology could be a game-changer, enhancing their ability to connect with and support their congregants. However, the adoption of artificial intelligence in the church also raises concerns about the potential loss of human connection, ethical issues surrounding the use of AI, and the need for churches to adapt to changing landscape of technology. Now think about that. Then Lifeway writer, this Aaron Earls, who was writing it, this is an evangelical organization, he says, can I be honest with you, the reader who is reading this right now? He said, can I be honest with you? I didn't write those two paragraphs. He said, I asked ChatGPT to write them for me. And that's the answer the bot gave, the AI. Churches have long used technology. The Internet has helped us to spread the gospel. Radio, for sure. Television, yes. All of these are are useful to the kingdom of God. And and I'm first in line. Yes, let's use what, what is available to us to spread the gospel and tell people about Jesus Christ. But I think in this case, this is different. It's not, it's not like using technology. When they're talking about putting robots in the pulpit, when they're talking about having, having AI machines answer people who are at great need in their lives, and they're going through a tough time, they're counseling by phone, of course, or text, they can do all of this now, and they can program these machines to give answers that are consistent with what they have put into these machines. And that therein is where I completely walk away from it. Because who gets to put in what the machine is going to know? God created us in his likeness and his image. Now we are creating these machines that are supposedly more effective and more efficient than we are. And this, again, is not just science fiction. They're doing this stuff. And they're putting a lot of money into this. Some of the pastors are pushing back. Some Southern Baptist pastors are pushing back. And I was glad to see that. And I hope others will follow. Boy, I certainly agree with those guys. This is not right. I mean, there's no soul in a robot. There's no soul in an AI machine. Somebody has put what into that machine what it is supposed to believe. They have wired the mind of that machine, which isn't a mind, but... The, the database of that machine. And it's going to be tilted in the way that that particular person, that designer, makes them. And that's where it comes into conflict with God himself. When I found out that George Soros is among three of the top investors in this movement, that's all I needed to know. But I thought I would share with you today a little bit of what I have found and what I see happening here. There's much, much more. But just be aware of this, because I think the church needs to be informed. We are destroyed through our lack of knowledge. 
So we must be informed. We must know what's going on. Hey, thank you so much for being with me today. It's always a privilege. Thank you for your support that allows us to be here. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I'll see you tomorrow.